0: The semifinal field is set here at the 2022 World Cup. Welcome into episode 200 of this show, Hercules Made it to
1: 200? Woo-hoo-hoo! Woo. Get
0: that going. Yeah, we might not have even gotten this uh, show on air if they'd have kept playing that uh, Argentina-Netherlands game. We have a full rundown. We were going to talk about some, some transfers for potential uh, oh. U.S. players. The, the Mexican coaching search is heating up. Uh, but these, these quarterfinals have, have just overtaken things. So I think we're going to spend uh, most... Of whatever time we have here on this show before ESPN FC kicks us out of this studio, uh, talking about the games that we just witnessed. Alexis Nunes uh, is live at the Netherlands-Argentina game. She'll be uh, outside Lucelle Stadium, so hopefully we can get her in on this program as well. But, uh, whew, that was tense watching it around here. ESPN Argentina sat literally five feet away from us. Yeah, um...
1: I was nervous and I had no dog in
0: this. I know. I
1: felt I, the same I, I, the thing. The tension, the anxiety. Yes. Uh, as soon as they took it into overtime, you just felt yes. really over the edge. Our Argentine colleagues must sweat have been uh, bullets, sweat yeah, bullets. Yeah, a uh, Squeaky bum, tum. Yes. Time for them. Uh, by the way, is it cold here?
0: I see you wearing a jacket.
1: Yeah, it's a little something. Yeah. But you, you uh, seem to be feeling better than who?
0: Uh, yeah, one of Brian Schmetzer's uh, all-time. Most famous boats. Oh, wow. Remember that one?
1: I do remember that one.
0: Hey, got to hang banners or else they talk about you on shirts. All right, let's get to uh, Croatia and Brazil, the first of the quarterfinals to go down today. Uh, This one went to penalties, but uh, it was tense as well. 0-0 through 90 minutes there at uh, Education City Stadium. Uh, then an extra time, Neymar scoring a golazo to make it 1-0, a goal that evens him with Pelé at all, atop the all-time Brazilian scoring charts. The lead wouldn't last long. 117th minute, Bruno Petkovic with Croatia's first shot on goal of the game. Took a wild deflection, that made it 1-1. So, of course, we went to penalties. And Dominic Livakovic, the hero again. Rodrigo Livakovic. missing the opener. Croatia would convert their first four. And then Marquinhos stepped up and hammered the post. So Croatia, after a 1-1 draw through 120 minutes, advanced 4-2 on penalties. Herc, Brazil are out. Croatia, advance. Your thoughts?
1: How? How are my thoughts? How does Croatia advance? I mean, we could sit here and we could give the Croatian team, all the credit they deserve.
0: But you're not going to do that. No, you're no, going to no, say I, Brazil
1: choked. I, Brazil definitely choked. Okay. But let me give Croatia credit. Juranovic down the right-hand side, all game, mm-hmm. open lane. It was Libakovich, save after save. It was Luka Modric in the center of the midfield, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there asking myself while watching him play how he can still run that way at 37 years old. Like, it is insane to me yeah. to see him do what he does at that level and at that speed. He's not just a guy who gets on the ball and tries to make things happen. He's a two-way player. Pekovic even before the goal, hit a flash of brilliance uh, in the first overtime where he goes between two defenders, two Brazilian defenders. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how did he get out of that? Squares the ball, ball goes over. You saw flashes. You saw signs. But the real tale of this tape, the real story here is how wasteful Brazil was in front of the net. Yeah. I mean, just extremely wasteful. I could see Neymar not being a factor all game until he was, right? He really wasn't a factor. On the ball, didn't create too much. Off the ball was kind of just there as an extra man. Oftentimes, you're asking yourself why TJ still maintained him in the game. And then he scores a goal. That's why he's there. Because when Marquinhos had one, because when uh, Militao down the right-hand side whipped one in and it was almost an own goal, uh, because of of when it's Rodrigo or Vinny Jr. or when it's Richarlison trying to get on something. They were just wasteful in front of the net. The real story here, if you look at it, was the opportunity lost to the Brazilian team. And then when you take it to penalty kicks, and here's the big thing. We just came off this Argentina versus Netherlands PK mm-hmm. shootout, mm-hmm. penalty shootout. Who was the first one to take it My for man, Argentina? Messi Rolled
0: it right down the middle. Who was the cucumber? Messi! Yeah.
1: What number did Na- when did Neymar take his penalty
0: kick? I, I must have missed it. You must have missed it. Yes. Why? Still Your waiting best in the wings. has to take yep. it yep. first,
1: always. Sure, seguro. It wasn't the case.
0: Uh, let's lock back in on the game for a second uh, because I, I want to really bear don- down on kind of why you think Brazil choked. There's, there's a couple things in extra time that I can point to. Uh, Tiche, who's by the way, is out now. He's gone. Yeah, uh, but he adventure. always
1: maintained that it was a two-cycle deal for him and he was done. Okay. Um,
0: he said, I don't agree we were disorganized after the match, specifically talking about the last counterattack. Now, um, it's one nothing in extra time, and if you watch how that breaks down, there's – Six, seven Brazilian players in the attacking half with minutes left in extra time. Croatia has the counter, and they have, they're have they in the odd man rush. There's like three or four Brazilians yeah. back. That seems irresponsible to me given the moment of the game. Am I being too harsh there?
1: Absolutely not. And it's Luka Modric that spins out of that that yeah. starts that play. And you're thinking to yourself, like, why is he allowed to spin yeah. out of that? And it's funny because we're sitting there and we're watching – what was the Argentina game, mm-hmm. and Juan Carlos Osorio, el profe Juan Carlos Osorio, yeah. comes back and he starts talking to me about that play. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you notice who was on him? Who let him go? Casemiro. Casemiro. Casemiro was sitting on the yellow, right? Mm. That would have been one to take him out. He would not have been available for the semifinal. That play continues. Luca Modric sets it up. It's a deflected goal. I understand that. But it forces it into penalty kicks. And you're second best in the penalty kicks. Over a team... That if you look at their group play, very physical, very hard 0-0 draw against Morocco. Did their business against Canada. Yeah. Back to a very physical 0-0 draw against Belgium.
0: Kind of lucky against Belgium, right? If Lukaku has an even decent finishing day, they win that game. Lukaku
1: opens his eyes because I think it hit him without him realizing. Right, right. He had one very clear chance. It could be a different story. Against Japan, a very physical Japan team. And I'm talking physical in the way they press, physical in the way they challenge, physical in the way they make things demanding for you. Uh, Luka Modric ended up playing 97 minutes of that game. They go 120-something minutes. Penalty kicks against a Brazil team that had the luxury of resting nine players versus Cameroon. Yeah. Had the luxury of routing South Korea and minute 63 start subbing in uh, some of the reserve players, subbing out some of their stars. And yet the fresher team, at least in the first 45, was Croatia. Hmm. Second half, a different story. The tide had turned. Uh, possession, chances, play, volume, all in Brazil's favor. Until you score and you yeah. let down that one moment. Because you're right. They, there was no need, especially was this. Chiche is very pragmatic. Was, let me ask you so, about So that. I'm surprised that happened.
0: Was he? too pragmatic because I go back to the USA Iran game you were critical of Greg Berhalter kind of making the defensive substitutions which kind of invite the opponent forward Uh, what I would tell you in that Iran game the same thing I would tell you here when the opponent has to score Iran yes yeah,
1: what I say. I thought you meant Netherlands, I'm sorry. No, no,
0: no, in the Iran yeah, game, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So w- when when the opponent has to score, they're going to they're going to throw bodies forward. I think yeah. it's okay to defend. But right after the goal at 105, he makes two subs which are yeah. defensive. One he brings on uh, Alex Santos, right? Yeah. But then Fred, I mean Fred, if there's a if there's a defensive player for for Brazil, it's Fred. Should Tjie in that moment have been more assertive, more aggressive and 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 said my team can get a second and end this game or were those the adequate calls?
1: No, oh, I mean if you look at it, everything was fine until that point. It's one play that breaks down for him. Okay, I mean, so
0: that's on the guys on the field, then. Of more course, it saying. is.
1: It's on Casemiro. It's on whoever's in the okay. midfield. Fred, you can't let Luka Modric spin. You get out of that play and start that play. Start that sequence. When that happens, I don't care who the coach is. You know, it's the final minutes of the game. You can't allow. You cannot allow a breakdown of that magnitude.
0: You mentioned Brazil being wasteful. 21 shots in this game, 11 of them on goal. Levakovic, depending where you look, credited with either 10 or 11 saves uh, on ESPN.com. They're they're giving him 11. He had
1: at least three legit goal-saving saves. I,
0: I want to ask you about body language because you talked about Croatia looking fresher in the first half. Did they look fresher or or did Brazil just not look like they had enough urgency? Because I didn't see a Brazil team that looked like it was a knockout round game. It looked like Brazil more in the group face. And then as far as body language is concerned, and it was just one guy's face, but it's the guy for Brazil. After 120 minutes wraps up, you get the shot of Neymar's face walking off the field. He was not confident. It was the face of like, oh, God, this is not what we want to be it's against your this hands. team. It's a toss-up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really but you're when Brazil. You, go, you gotta you be go confident. Into,
1: when, no. When you go into penalty kicks, it's emotional, psychological, and who had the psychological excuse me the psychological blow mm-hmm. at that moment in overtime? It was Croatia. Because once Brazil scores, Croatia doesn't fold. Yeah. They throw numbers. They keep coming at you. And then they get their goal. Yeah. That was a psychological blow. That's really what hurt uh, Brazil in this game. And once you go into penalty kicks, it's out of your hands if you're a talented player like Neymar. Sure,
0: especially if you don't take a penalty. And I want to get to that in, in just a second. But bigger picture with Brazil. Uh, if we go back to you know when you or I were, were kind of teenagers in our early 20s, Brazil were dominant. Three yeah. straight World Cups where they make a final. They win two of those. Yeah. Since then, five World World Cups, four eliminations in the quarterfinals, only one trip to the semifinals. Is there, a, is there a common thread in any of those? Is there something that for you is missing from Brazilian football since they were at the very, very top?
1: What could be missing from Brazilian football? It, because they export. The talent is overwhelming. Every, is like every one of these
0: World Cups, they come in as a favorite on paper every, or
1: close to it. Every year they could have a, a Ballon d'Or non, a nominee. Right. So what's happening? Well, it just goes to show you how difficult it is to win a World Cup. Mm. It really goes to show there's a reason only eight countries have won a World Cup, and it's the same countries that win a World Cup. There's a reason that South American countries have not won a World Cup since, what, 2006?
0: No, Two? 2002. 2002. Yeah, the last 2002. time Brazil
1: won it. Bra- last time Brazil won it. Yeah. Look at, look at how much Argentina just struggled. Yeah. There, there's a reason for this. There's a reason the best football in the world is played in Europe. What can you ask Brazil more of? Think about this. Yeah. Exporting?
0: Right, like when you talk about other countries, you can say, well, Playing you're not the doing this, levels? you're not doing that. Yeah, with Brazil, it's, it's, it's a mean, head-scratcher.
1: Especially this Brazil, number one ranked team in the world.
0: But it, and it's not like they're not even getting to semis, right? It's like you're going out in the quarterfinals. Which, I repeat, which is,
1: it goes to show you how difficult it is to win a World Cup.
0: Um, let's talk about the decision to, to have Neymar wait, to not have him go first. Um, who's to blame for that? Neymar, Chiche, like who, who at the end of the day? yeah. They might say, I want to go last, and you're like, no, no, no. I need you to go first. Really? Is that how it's decided in the locker room? The, the manager says, this is my order? Yes. You think, you think to the think other point, you think Scaloni asked Messi, or do you think Messi said, "Well, I, want, I got it?
1: Messi could say, I got it. Sure. Messi could say, I want fourth or I want fifth. Scaloni's the guy who's going to have the final say. Right. Messi's the greatest player on earth, and he could be for Scaloni as well. But in that exact moment, the yeah. only important person making that decision is Scaloni. And if Chiche was under the understanding that Neymar wanted to go fourth or fifth because he wanted to be the hero, because he wanted to he be wanted the man. The moment, he the image, wanted the moment. He wanted the moment. Right. He wanted the clout. It's his responsibility to say, no, we need you first.
0: Is that why guys want to take it fifth? Because they want the moment? Because it's also saying, I could also accept the greatest pressure of... Oh, of the greatest pressure
1: of scoring first.
0: Really? Yes. That's for you. It's always the it's, toughest, that first one. Of course. I feel like
1: you have to set the tone for yeah. everybody else. And if the first one misses, the first one isn't a good penalty kick. Yeah. If you don't see your best player, the best penalty kick taker taking the first one, and you're waiting, you're really... Because what happened today with Neymar? You waited too long. Yeah, yeah. You need to get... If you think he is the best penalty kick taker, if you think he is the one, he needs to take it
0: first. Yeah, especially if you're the first team to go. Then I think, like... Obviously, the first penalty is super important. But when you're the first penalty and you're first in order, yeah. like it really has to be you. And then let's look at the guy who takes it. It's Rodrigo. He's 21 years old. He's got less than 15 caps for Brazil. That's an incredible amount of pressure. And the penalty He's looks also, like a guy under pressure. Yeah,
1: forget about not being the man at Brazil. He's not the man at Real Madrid. Yeah. So you're giving a right. guy who
0: doesn't really know
1: that pressure, as Neymar would know it, to take that pressure.
0: So how does this impact then Neymar's World Cup legacy? Because he did suggest before this World Cup that it could indeed be his last.
1: That would be sad. I mean, he just tied Pelé. He tied Pelé today with that goal. 77 goals, I believe. Is Mm -hmm. that correct, uh, Senor Producer? Yep. 77 goals. And for it to be his last, for it to be his last World Cup, and what you could, I, I think correctly guess or assume, they'd have another title competing team under their belt. In four years from now.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's that's much of a stretch. Beyond sad here though, Herc, um, is there some something to be said about Neymar not being determinant in big moments? I think we can look at it at club level. You know, in Barcelona he's he never had to be the guy, but he did have some big moments in big games. In PSG, I'm thinking the 2020 Champions League final against Bayern Munich. That was a game that he could have really cemented his legacy as a big game player. Then we think about his participation in major tournaments. Uh, 2014 World Cup, the end of it, he's injured. 2015 Copa America, 2019 Copa America, he's, he's, he's not present for those. Now that's down to injury. 2018 World Cup, he didn't want the captaincy. Is there such thing as having a great player who's not maybe a great winner? And is that the actual legacy here think for Neymar's Neymar? I
1: Neymar's not a great winner. Is that what you're trying to say?
0: I mean, not as great as some of the others. We That's talk big about moments. him as— so
1: You can go back to Barcelona. Wasn't it Neymar versus PSG? You got them back into that one? Yes. Yeah. His goal? That's quarterfinal. How about, how about the first and only Olympic win? No, oh, I'm sorry. Second—the first Olympic
0: win, I uh, say. No, no, You're not going to bring up Olympics for a player of Neymar's caliber when you, Hold you know, spend on. half the time on this show—
1: Does Ronaldinho have Olympics? Dismissing Mexico's Olympics? gold medal no, 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 in the no, no. Olympics. It it to a It's a youth
0: tournament. No, it is no, a youth tournament. Please. But it's important to that please. country,
1: right? Please. Was it important to that country?
0: Yeah. Did I he was have there the for pressure? that final. Did he have the pressure of, of the country? Sure, it's a free kick against Germany's U23s. Come on. We're talking well, about World here Cups. Talking we're, about we're talking about, pressure, about Copa Americas. What you're trying to say is pressure. So you, so think, so you think, he's big, he's he's think he's a big game, winner, major you say tournament it. player? If you
1: don't think he's a winner, you
0: say it. I don't think he has a legacy of a big game. Copa Americas, World Cups. World Cups. How many what, players have that, won a World what Cup? Happened,
1: what happened in the last... How many players have won a World the last... Cup? You, you're sitting here spouting off that he's not a winner based off of World Cups because how many players have won a World mm-hmm. Cup? Think about how difficult we say that is, that is to do, to achieve, and you're going to sit here and saying that guy who has 77 goals mm-hmm. for Brazil, who mm-hmm. just tied, who many feel is the all-time best player in the history of the sport, isn't a winner, isn't up to the moment.
0: Brazil won a Copa América without him in 2021 and 2019. I mean. So then, tell me what it is. In Portugal, it's won, just won bad luck Ronaldo. for him. It's uh, just bad. He a yeah, he Heroes. won. A, he won a European Championship. He
1: wasn't on the field. But what I'm saying is, that's very difficult on the player to say you are not something because you haven't won everything.
0: No, no, no. I'm not saying he's not something. I'm not saying he's not a great player. You're but saying he's not a winner. when we compare him to other greats. Those guys have won like big, big tournaments who do you want and to compare been the guys. Him to?
1: Do you want to compare him to Messi, who's got one Cup of America? Do you want to compare him to Cristiano Ronaldo, who's got one Euro championship? Who do you want to compare him to?
0: I mean, this is a guy who's no, no, being I'm compared asking. to the Brazilian greats. No, so a- let's compare him to Pelé, who's got well, the same well, amount of goals hold as. Hold on.
1: And with all due respect to… Let's compare him to Ronaldo. Let's compare
0: him to Dino. Let's compare him to those guys. To Ronaldo and what That's he did, he's compared the to. ball was brown, the TV was gray. Was it brown when Ronaldo okay. did it? Was it brown when Dinho did it? Like… Those are the guys. just
1: sat here and told me how great the Brazilian team was. How they went to, what, three finals, won two of them? Yes. And now you want to say it's all on Neymar? Romario.
0: I mean, Romario. I like, don't
1: hear you spitting out the same thing when it comes to Messi or Cristiano. i it's all
0: on Neymar. I'm just saying, like, there's a lack of big game, big tournament performances. Isn't there? You would not agree with that?
1: I think that's hard. I, I think he's lacked in those tournaments because he's not been available. I don't think he's had sure, bad Some of it comes
0: down to injury. I laid that out for you. Yeah.
1: But there's a difference between not being available and not being good in big
0: moments. You think we have seen the end of him? At the World Cup, he'll be 34 in 2026. I think so. I, you know, Why? I, and speaking on,
1: I know what you want to get that, to, to that mentality. I think he's over it. I don't, think he, I don't mm. think he wants to deal with the people. He wants to deal with this anymore. I think he understands exactly who he is and what he, what he wants out of life and what he has right now. And, He's going to score whatever he needs to score after this, 77, beat Pelé, and yeah. then off into the sunset.
0: It it also probably, you'll know this as a former player, like it takes more to maintain yourself at a top level as you get in out of like late 20s, early 30s into mid 30s, right? Not
1: only that, Seb, if he's been this injured this often yeah. before he's in those 30s. Right, imagine. do those
0: injuries kind of like it's all downhill after. I mean,
1: look, the, the players like Cristiano, like Zlatan, who can play it at an advanced age like that, right. those are few and far between. They're freaks of, right? they're, they're freaks of and
0: nature. And they work really, really hard in the gym, out of season. They're almost Pair obsessed with it, yes, right? Yes. He seems to be a guy who enjoys the fruits of his labor, which... what he's earned. Totally, you know, totally fair. What about Chiche? I mean, you know, obviously, probably not going to get more than eight years. Uh, but you look at the teams that he's brought to World Cups to not make a semifinal, what What a disappointment.
1: It is a disappointment because you think about when he took over the team and when they were where they were, excuse me, with Dunga. It was I believe the two thousand sixteen Copa America when Dunga had that fracaso with that Brazilian team he takes over and what they've been able to achieve and how many games he's actually lost. Yeah. Think about the games he's actually lost. I believe I believe it's only like two or three under Chiche. And with Casamiro in the lineup. He's not officially lost a game. Now, you can say, like, they didn't advance, yeah. but this doesn't go down as a loss, which is why it's incredible to me what Croatia has done. Croatia's advancing to a semifinal <laughs> with
0: one win, yep. that win being Canada. Yeah. So to that point, can Croatia win this whole tournament playing this style? Because we sat up here after the round of 16, and we said no. And here they just beat Brazil, who everybody picked to at least they be didn't, in the final they, not They've been
1: it. playing the same way as they, they did in 2018, and they didn't win in 2018. I'm trying to go back into the World Cup champions, the World Cup winners, and think about a team that's played so pragmatic, so grind you into the ground, and just advance. I mean, this European team is more is more like or likened to Tata Martino's Paraguay in Copa America. Okay. Okay. Then it really is like any other World Cup champion, and then they weren't even a Copa America champion. Right. But they advance. They grind you down. I said, it, I said it jokingly earlier how they're the Uruguay of Europe. Mm. For a country that small to yep. produce that type of player, that type of athlete, that type of competitor. And at the international stage, they play so pragmatic but have so many moments of brilliance. to be able to wear you down, grind you down, and just advance. Do enough to get by. And that sounds like I'm not giving them the credit. That, yep. It's a ton of credit. Right. I mean, it takes, it takes a different type of player, a different type of mentality to put in that type of work. Yeah. Um, But I don't think this is a World Cup winning championship squad. Uh,
0: Livakovic, after the game, said we were raised as warriors. Anybody who's opened a history book knows what happened in the early 90s as Yugoslavia broke apart. Um, These kids, the players, and their families certainly have gone through a lot historically. Maybe that's kind of part of the the dna that the toughness of this team And they've
1: also seen great generations Davor yes. suker and that generation and what they were able to to do in 98 i believe when
0: they make a semis i love the uh, yeah i love the comp to uruguay population croatia right around 3.9 million uruguay right around 3.4 so uh very good there we're looking at livakovic here uh, just an incredible performance from him but i want to give you another opportunity here to highlight Luka modric like at what point and maybe he's there already. Do we start to talk about him as one of the all-time greats? You have to. Because and, 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 I, I feel like the top five is hard to break into that. But at some point, do we have to talk about this guy as a top ten footballer of all time?
1: Possibly. If, if, you, if you think about what he's been able to achieve, and if you think about the dominance of Messi and Cristiano mm-hmm. over the last 15 years, yep. there are only really five players that come to mind in that era that have rivaled them at any year yeah. and I'm talking about so you have Messi you have Cristiano you'll have a Karim Benzema mm-hmm. a Robert Lewandowski and a Luka Modric yeah that is it yeah that, that that is those three guys are the only ones that have rivaled to some extent Cristiano and Messi at least in the Ballon d'Or at least in what it is to be considered the best in the world at any moment in the last 15 years
0: uh, Livakovic, a thought on him
1: my my only thought on Levakovic is when you have a goalkeeper that's in form, when yep. you have a hot hand, yep. it goes a long way in a tournament setting, yep. especially for a team that just tries to bend but not break and has a few very special players in midfield uh, and a big time player in Peresic that I think we've not seen the last of.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Modric, uh, for all he does on the field. The Netflix series Captains, was a great scene of him and Levakovich. When Livakovich actually gets dropped from the starting lineup through qualifying, and he kind of pulls him aside and says, hey, like, we need you to be better. And it's clear that, you know, there's, there's a little bit of like, I'm taking you under my wing. I believe in you. And now we see this guy having, you know, just an, an incredible World Cup. Passion,
1: determination and constancy is what makes you a champion and maintains your attitude The ride or die, baby. eBay Motors. O se te devuelve tu dinero porque con eBay Motors, más llantas y no tu dinero con las piezas que buscas, a los precios que quieres. Tu auto se convertirá en el MVP que te dará el triunfo.
2: eBay Motors. eBaymotors.com. Solo para artículos elegibles se aplican restricciones. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify?
0: All right, let's move to the second quarterfinal, the one that just wrapped up between Argentina and Netherlands. And if you thought Brazil versus Croatia was dramatic, whoo This one was even more so at Luceo Stadium, Argentina opening the scoring in the 35th minute. Nahuel Molinov, a beautiful assist from Lionel Messi. It was one nothing at the half. It was one nothing actually deep into the second half when Argentina drew a penalty. Messi converts in the 73rd minute to make it 2-0. In the 83rd minute, Wout Weghorst, who'd come on at the half, made it 2-1. And then in the 11th minute of stoppage time, Veghorst off a set piece from the training ground, made it 2-2. We went to extra time. There were no goals in extra time. And then in penalties, Dibu Martinez saved the first two. Lautaro Martinez converting the game-winning penalty. Argentina advance, Netherlands out. Herc, your reaction.
1: This just witnessed one of the all-time greatest mm. games in World Cup history, one of the all-time greatest performances in Lionel Messi. We said he needed to be determinante in this game if they were to advance, if they were to win. He was. I sat here, and since this Argentina versus Netherlands game was announced, thinking that the Netherlands would just abuse the left-back Acuna, Mm -hmm. the right-back Molina, how they would be the weak spots. Molina scores a goal. Acuna draws a penalty (laughs) kick. What do I know? Yeah. Um, But it's messy behind everything. Messi with one of the most insane passes you will ever see. No look? No look. Ronaldinho Gaucho style. No look pass. I mean, spidey senses going off. He literally glanced over once, kept dribbling, knew exactly where the lane was going to be. Got it under, I believe that was uh, Akpe's leg. Into the run. Perfect finish. Mm -hmm. 1-0. Steps up after missing a penalty kick versus Poland. I'm the man, I want to take it. I'm going to do it calmly, as calm as you like, as cool as you like, slots it away. And I'm thinking to myself, why is he still on the field? And then every time you got the ball, you're reminded of yeah. why he's still on the field. Yeah. But the Netherlands, and it was like minute 78 and I've got people telling me next to me, oh, this is over. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, it's just one goal and they're back in it. The Jong comes on, Volkers comes on. And it's Route 1 football. It's been very physical. Argentina's outmatched physically. They're having a very difficult time dealing with the presence in the box, the knockdowns, the second balls, uh, the physical nature of the game. They let a goal in. Game on. And one of the last plays of the game, you're expecting Gakpo to go over the wall. I believe it was Gakpo, wasn't it? Uh, On the set piece. Yes. Yeah. May have been Gakpo. I think over the wall. And he slips it. He slips it to a player that's literally got somebody drenched all over his back. And Valkurst slots it in yeah. and we're going over. And, and in that moment, Baldano always says that football is a game of emotion. And I truly believe it. I, I thought the emotion, I thought the momentum was in the Netherlands' favor. They just couldn't get it going in the second half. Goes to penalty kicks in a very dramatic way. It didn't go their way.
0: Yeah, so I think one thing we learned here is if there's a World Cup matchup that is likely to deliver a Clásico, like if we think historically, it's got to be Argentina Netherlands. Yeah. Like, can you think of another one that, that's more likely to to deliver just a just an absolutely great game? And here's a, a look at a play from a few years ago. It's Weghorst. Maybe Germany. For Wolfsburg. England. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at but- this.
1: Look at this. A few years ago. Ah, they weren't paying attention to the Bundesliga back then.
0: Louis Van Gaal probably gets a lot of credit for the, the second half comeback, right? He brings Vaghorst on. He Absolutely. makes two changes Luke in the Jong, half. Yes, yes, yes. He, we he talk about managers making a difference he, for their team.
1: He literally at one point went to a 3-3-1-1. Three, three, mm-hmm. one, one. You know, uh, yeah. took off uh, Daily Blind and, and and went just very big up front, very physical, very rule one presence. And it worked out. Yeah. It paid off. But you still have some very special players um, on the Argentine side. Yep. Lionel Messi being one of them. The pressure they put on the Netherlands in the second half of overtime. I mean, the last shot by Enzo Fernandez. Uh, I believe it was Enzo Fernandez. that skims off the post. It literally, Akpe tried to put his head on there. First it was Virgil van Dijk tried to get something on it. Then it was Akpe, and it literally off the post. And corner, or I believe goal kick. Uh, it,
0: it was a great game. Speaking of managers that made a difference. And that may have changed things up. We had More Beltran with us on yesterday's show, and she talked about the potential for Argentina to do the Espejo, the mirror formation of what the Dutch did. Scaloni did that, and it really seemed to work in the first half. In fact, we were watching the game, and you were like, this is a flashback to USA-Netherlands, right? Where one team's kind of like being lured forward. The first ten minutes, yeah. Yeah, and it was that way. And actually, at halftime... But why didn't Argentina you know, get burned in the way that, that the U.S. did then um, when they got brought forward? Was it because of that formation? Well, it's that where you have switch? that
1: possession as well, right? So if the U.S. doesn't get caught, if they don't let in that goal... Or the second goal, I still believe, before halftime, the game's a lot closer, and I think they can manage and, and maybe get something out of it. Give the credit to, to the Netherlands, absolutely. Um, but the moment they go line at three, Lisandro mm-hmm. Martinez is back there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you're now in a mere situation. You're eliminating the spaces for Blind and D- Dumfries, who didn't have the type of game that he had against the U.S. Men's National It also could be better competition, absolutely. Uh, the Sargentine team is very, very good. But you look at the stats... Halftime, time believe it was 57% possession mm. for the Dutch. Not a lot of shots on goal. Yep. Um, end Into the game, it ended up being 53% possession uh, in favor of the Dutch. This is a team that had more of the ball, but where they had the ball. The U.S. was giving possession away and letting them have possession in certain areas where they can absolutely hurt you yep. when they go at speed. Uh, in that game, it was Blinden. In that game, it was Dumfries. That were the men of the moment that were the men of the match that really did the damage. This game it was the opposite. It was Acuna and it was
0: Molina. Let's spin it forward to the the semifinal we're gonna get Croatia against Argentina. What kind of game you think it'll be? (laughs) I don't know if it'll be soft on the eyes. Yeah. I I, don't either. I mean I don't think it will be to be I I think it's too I didn't think this game would be I didn't think Argentina Netherlands would be soft on the eyes. I thought it was It was emotional. yeah, I thought it was two pragmatic managers who were going to set their teams up. And it was. To disrupt the other as opposed to maximize their attack. It
1: was just very physical. Yeah, but we and, still
0: got goals. We still got moments. And maybe that
1: physical p- play, because I think Croatia will be just as physical, can lead to moments. Because if if I mean, the referee in this game was it was something else.
0: Mateo Lajos, the Spaniard. I, yes, I, Yeah, I
1: feel like we see him. I I feel like we see him literally every other day in a game. He's one of the most famous referees in the world. Famous uh, or infamous? <laughs> infamous, <laughs> yes. because because I didn't think he was very good. Both, um, and for both teams, I thought he was sloppy. He was all over the place. Oftentimes he ate the whistle. Oftentimes he was too. Uh, just too happy with it. Um, a lot of choppy fouls, a yeah. lot of no calls. Uh, let the game get away from him. There was a moment in the over, uh, right before overtime where Virgil van Dijk comes into Paredes, I believe it was Paredes, uh, completely knocks him out uh, after he boots the ball into the, I should say, the bench of the right. Netherlands team. I thought it was a perfor- very poor performance from the referee. So
0: you're not the only one. Lionel Messi, uh, after the game, saying, quote, I don't want to talk about the referee, because if you talk, they sanction you. FIFA should think about it. You can't put a referee like that for these games. You can't put a referee who isn't up to the job. I mean, this is a referee with everything in his curriculum. uh, And yet he is controversial. There's no doubt about it. But for Messi, after a, well, not win, but advancing to the semifinals to be focused on the referee, tells you, you know, just how... Off the mark, at least in Messi's eye, La Hose was tonight. Because
1: he knows how it could have cost him. How yeah. it could have cost Argentina. The, these lines, these margins are so slim. Messi's one of the all-time greats. And honestly, if he wins this World Cup, many will consider him
0: the all-time. Yep. We know his lot will. Yep. That's the difference maker. He
1: might not be alone in that, in that category. You really have to put Messi up there. I've never seen a human being do what Messi does. And if he could win a World Cup after winning a Copa Medica, after winning Champions League, after having over 1,000 games, after doing what he's done for over 15 years at the level he's done it for, you have to consider him literally the all-time best men's football player on this planet. That's a reality. And he understands what this could have cost him if we, because of the refereeing.
0: Both of these teams are going to be coming off 120 minutes in penalties. In Croatia's instance two games like that, how does that impact the semifinal? Because you do have some time to recover here.
1: So I called Croatia the Uruguay of Europe. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they're also considered, not just the size of the right. country and the players they produce and how much they maximize and the talent that comes through there, but the style of play. They wear you down physically. They wear you down um, with the amount of fouls and the amount of aggressive play they can display. Very good players in Modric and, and other players in, in, in that midfield uh, and the talent they have going forward, Perisic, all that. But they're a team that likes to get stuck in. They're a mm-hmm. team that likes to get very physical with you. I think Argentina is the very exact same team. Hmm. Uh, they just happen to have a Lionel Messi on their side. This is going to be a very choppy game, very physical game. Uh, it could be a game decided off of a set piece, decided off of a penalty, decided off a, a moment of brilliance by a player like Modric or Messi. But I don't think it'll be very soft in the eyes. Uh,
0: very nearly a devastating day for the Americas and the Western Hemisphere. I mean, you almost had Brazil and Argentina going out. Argentina surviving by the skin of their teeth. Does it say something about football on our side of the world that this is, you know, if, if not for Morocco at this point, had Argentina gone out, we're looking at a UEFA, all UEFA final four.
1: Tells you that the best football is played in, in Europe. I think yeah, everybody knows. We knew that, that, right? But majority of these players play in Europe, so I, I don't really know what to make of it.
0: All right, well, today we got two games that came down to the drama of penalties. Now, there's some science, Herc, that goes into penalties. Okay. Sport science. Let's check it out.
3: During the World
2: Cup, penalty kicks are likely going to be a huge factor as the tournament moves through the knockout stages. Yes! So what goes into one of the most heart-pounding shots in sport? Let's find out. On average, penalty kicks are shot at around 113 kilometers per hour. At that speed, the ball reaches the goal in about 4 tenths of a second. Believe it or not, that's 10% faster than how long it takes a 145 kilometer an hour fastball to reach home plate. But a shot doesn't just need to be fast. It has to be accurate. In fact, in order to fit the ball within 1.8 meters of either post, a shooter from the penalty spot must aim within a target window of just 9 degrees. That means if a shooter's foot at the point of impact is off by even just 8.3 millimeters, or basically the width of a shoelace, they can completely miss the goal. Now from the goalkeeper's perspective, just how difficult is it to save a penalty kick? Well, with a 76-centimeter vert, a 1.9-meter goalkeeper like Tibor Courtois can only defend an area of about 14.4 square meters. That leaves 19% of the goal virtually undefendable. To make it even more difficult, some shooters will use a feint in the run-up. To do this, They'll stutter step, stop at the ball, and mislead the goalie by looking as much as 36 degrees away from the shot's actual trajectory. And sometimes, they'll kick dead center. What all this attempts to do is trick the goalkeeper's brain. See, through a complex neural system called predictive processing, our brains try to preemptively map outcomes, like the direction of a kick, by connecting visual information roughly every 13 hundredths of a second. And because diving to full extension takes roughly half a second, a goalkeeper typically has to react before the shooter kicks the ball, effectively guessing which side the shot will go to. Assuming he's guessed correctly, once airborne, elite goalies can react to a shooter's final movements in as little as two tenths of a second. That's a reaction time on par with F1 drivers. In the end, a penalty kick is just as much art as it is science. Whether it's a rocket to the side of the net or a silky smooth Kaneka that leaves the goalkeeper utterly stunned. He got it!
4: ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Death is the only punishment here.
2: Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks
1: what you seek here.
2: To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion,
4: and power.
2: Let it come.
4: FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.
0: All right, uh, for more on Argentina's penalty kick victory over Netherlands, let's go to the outsides of Lucille Stadium where we find our Alexis Nunes, who is of course uh, covering and witnessing this historic match. Uh, Alexis, real quick, I, I need to get your sense of how the Argentina fans reacted before the game when they found out that Brazil were going home.
3: Oh my days, Semi. It was absolute pandemonium. I feel like I had to remind some of them that we're trying to cheer for the Americas. We want to see the World Cup in the hands of this side of the world and not the usual European superpowers that we've been used to for a couple of editions of the World Cup now. But you know what? That rivalry is so strong. There's not a lot of love lost there. And even though they did lament that there are the only two teams left from the Americas here. And of course, they said they would rather support Morocco and see Africa go all the way as opposed to supporting Brazil. So they were yeah. happier, And the main reason is because they said now our path to the final has become so much easier. Of course they had to get the job done today, and it wasn't easy as we saw. But not to play against Brazil, your bitter rivals. You know that Brazil have a, a, a cuenta to settle with them there after what happened in the Copa America. I think they were definitely breathing a huge sigh of relief
0: all right alexis uh, give me the percentage of argentina fans in the building and then tell me about the mood in the stadium as the dutch were making that comeback
3: Oh, honestly, the percentage of the Argentina fans, I think, was 99.99999%. Literally, it was filled. It was (laughs) like La Bombonera Part 2.0. There were just little pockets of Dutch fans, and honestly, they're hard to miss in their stunning orange that we've come to know and love, but it was really hard to see. We got to speak to uh, Pascal before this, and he said that they were only expecting about 1,400 fans um, and probably only sold about 400 more tickets from what they sold uh, for the U.S. match. And honestly, I don't even know if I saw 1,400 Dutch fans. It looked like pockets of about 15 to 20 here and there, and then the rest was just 100% Argentina. And the atmosphere, as you can imagine, like I said, was all like the Bombonera all over again. I mean, the Dutch fans, they were trying their best to to chant as well, but they were just drowned out even by the whistles anytime any of the Dutch players touched the ball um, from the fans there with all the drums from Argentina. And then the only time that they actually went quiet it was when that equalizer came. I think the wind just got taken out of their mm. sails. There were the Argentina fans behind me that were shouting some very naughty things, I would say, using some words that their moms definitely watching back home in Buenos Aires will not be proud that they were using, but they were they were kind of trying to get everyone animated again. One of them was saying, oh yeah, like, why are we here? If we're not here to sing, why has everyone gone quiet? And that's true because I think everyone was just shell-shocked when that equalizer came in the dying moments of the game, and they were wondering how how on earth is this gonna have to be like Brazil all over again are we going to lose two teams from South America two giants of South America all in one day but eventually they found their voices again in extra time take them through straight to the penalties as well and as Bar- as they finally were able to score that last penalty it was absolute scenes limbs everywhere people falling across each other and tears a lot of tears being shed eh? and that was just the guys I was sitting beside who are from ESPN Argentina so it was unbelievable to see unbelievable (laughs) scenes but once again Argentina with that 12th man they came up trumps and no doubt that I think that that had something to do with them getting the win tonight.
0: Okay Alexis we got about 30 seconds left here on Football Américas I need to know what was the reaction from the fans just to watching Messi in what may very well have been his last World Cup game Had Argentina not made it through.
3: Oh, my days. Honestly, once again, I think it was a lot of frustration because in that first half, I would say the first 30 minutes, um, a lot of people were chanting, you know, and kind of yelling at the players to do something. And that's credit to the Dutch, who definitely broke up their rhythm somewhat. We saw a lot of the Argentina players kind of getting a bit frustrated with one another because they weren't able to complete their passes. Everyone was still chanting messy, messy. And then once again, the guys talking behind me, they were saying, look, uh, this is just screaming for another messy, magical moment. And that pass that we saw from Messi of course Molina had the goal but that pass from Ooh. Messi I think just left everyone in absolute bits they were like he didn't even need to look up his peripheral vision and he knew and the get the guy said it to me again look this Argentina still not playing like the Argentina we know and love and want to cheer for but at least Messi will always be Messi, right and they think that that's enough to get them to get their hands on this trophy
0: there she is, Alexis Nunez from outside Lucille Stadium. Alexis, great stuff as always. A pleasure to have you here on Football americas Américas. Let's check out the brackets, the now updated brackets, as we head to the last four of the 2022 Cheers, World Cup here in Qatar. Argentina, Croatia, the first semifinal. Will it be England or France? Will it be Morocco or Portugal? We will find out tomorrow. That's all for this edition of Football Americas. Great to have you along with us for Hercules Gomez, producer Beto and our teams from Bristol to Los Angeles and everywhere in between. I'm Sebi Salazar, thanks for watching. We will be back tomorrow live on ESPN Plus at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Half the semifinal field set. The last two of the last four to be decided tomorrow.